Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, last time we connected, we were in Austin. ASU had won and UT hadn't played. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. And uh, now we're we're back in our respective home states. Um, But yes, it's uh, it's been an eventful few days. So to finish off the Austin trip, we, we had looped around the stadium. We had walked it. Um, really a nice complex once we got there uh, getting to see the Hall of Fame or whatever it is yes. it's the Hall of Fame right? yeah that's what it's called yeah yeah. Um, which was very nicely done with their various trophy winners uh, not just football uh, yeah. you know, but uh, all yeah. sports quite an impressive softball history there uh, with Cat yeah, Osterman yeah, I mean, it was it was everything. Yeah, it was a really cool place, I thought. But obviously, the the key was the game and the game atmosphere. Very um, corporatized pregame. The Bevo Boulevard had a sponsor. There was basically like a small parking lot style carnival on one yeah. of the streets. Uh, in you know, bouncy house type inflatables. A lot of alcohol sales, including what felt like the back of a big rig, uh, <laughs> filled with different yeah. beer taps. Yep, 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 yep. No doubt, no doubt. Appealing to a, a wide variety, you know. I mean, the, the family stuff, you know, the bouncy castles and the win a stuffed animal, and you know, I mean, look, I, that's not necessarily for me, but I get that it's for a lot of people, and so. You know, I, I understand the reasoning behind it. it. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but hey, they're not just trying to get people like me to go to the game. Yeah, but lots to do. Very busy, even a few hours before kickoff after uh, yeah. a pretty solid rain about four yeah. hours before kickoff. About four hours, yeah, but boy, it, it cleared out and ended up being a, a pretty nice night for early September in Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, I think we, we got a really good break no no storms and not you know 100 plus degrees and humid either yeah and then the game itself you know texas starts out block punt touchdown and yep. uh they didn't they didn't trail and it wasn't tied again <laughs> no no i mean they, they controlled the game as you expect them to do i mean louisiana monroe was four and eight last year they're you know they're not a great program um but, you know, yeah, I thought uh, no, Texas looked pretty good. I mean, um, you know, we, we got to see Bijan score a couple of second-half touchdowns, which was great to see. Um, you know, uh, Quinn Ewers got a little bit of a bumpy start, you know, late on his first pass through a pick on his second, which was also a late throw. But settled in. You know, it's his first meaningful game in, in you know, in, what, 20 months um, since he finished mm-hmm. his high school career. There's going to be a little nerves, a little, you know, jitters and – he showed it, but I thought, you know, it looked pretty good. Um, got to get better. Yeah, of course. I mean, they got to get better in a hurry if they're going to compete with Alabama this week. But, yeah, that was a pretty good opening game for them. Agreed. And, you know, there was obviously a talent disparity, but much like we talked about with ASU and NAU, you wanted to dominate, and they did. Yeah, they did. They you did, know. yeah. I thought defensively they were pretty good That. Number zero, DeMarvian Overshone. I know he's, you know, thought of as one of, if not their best defensive player. And he, he showed why. He made uh, he made impact plays. He, he saved a touchdown on the first drive. 
uh, had a third down tackle in the first half that saved the first down. Like he, he was very good. Uh, definitely left no doubt why he's as hyped as he is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and as as we talked about, Bijan, couple scores. He yeah, he looks the part, doesn't he? He does. He definitely does. Yeah. I mean, he uh, you know he did the things that I've seen him do on TV, which is you know he he's very good in tight spaces. Like you, you know, some running backs you watch them and it just it feels like they only get what they can get. Like if that makes sense. Like if there's a three yard gain, they get three yards. But he makes a three yard gain into a seven yard gain very often, and sometimes a, a fifteen or twenty. He, you know, for a big running back, he seems to be very good at escapability and, and, you know, just has a natural feel for the position, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that wasn't the end of your football weekend. After watching ASU on Thursday and Texas on yeah. Saturday, you took off early for New Orleans for LSU Florida State to see former ASU quarterback Jaden Daniels and former ASU offensive coordinator Mike Norvell. Yeah, and former ASU receiver Johnny Wilson as well. It was it was just like an ASU reunion in that game, uh, and they all had some nice moments. Johnny Wilson had a couple of, of good catches. Um, tough after the catch, like you know, made me think, boy, why didn't we see more of this at ASU? Um, and you know, Norvell, I thought coached a really good game. I mean, I don't know how much of the game you could watch when when it was when it got to seventeen ten. You know, momentum was going against them. And the drive that they put together from 17-10 to go up 24-10 was a thing of beauty from him. Just great. You know, he was just, he was, as the kids say, he was in his bag. Uh, like, everything was coming up roses. He, he was all over it. And and uh, I thought he was pretty good. Now, they, they nearly choked it away. They did everything they could to choke it away. But they got one heroic play on a blocked extra point and, and somehow managed to win it in regulation. Well, I mean, the the coughing up the ball after the muffed punt, you oh, know. I mean, the game should have been over at that point. Like, yeah. you, mean, you get first and goal. You get a field goal the there, team. and it's a two-touch or two-score game. Ten-point game, and, and LSU's used timeouts, and, and it's over. And, and they go for a pitch play, which, you know, had worked earlier in the game. They, they did it on a third short early, or I think it was third quarter, or maybe early fourth, and it worked. Yeah, and it, and it just um, didn't, you know, they just couldn't. It, it, luck shown on them after that, though. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like, uh, and then their, you know, their defense on that last drive, like they started out in a in a very much prevent shell, which I get, ninety nine yards. But then as it gets to midfield, they stayed in that exact same defense, and it was like, man, you got to be a. I'm not saying you bring a you know seven man blitz. I realize you want to you know prevent the big play, but they were just making it way too easy to to go down the field. And then the touchdown, I mean, like the guy was open immediately. Daniels was almost late with the ball because I watched I watched it back on TV. The guy was open immediately. That like the easiest throw you can get for a touchdown on one play to go. Yeah. Um, and you're you. Analyze Daniels a little bit via text, and I saw similar yeah. uh, from Twitter from ASU people, but that Daniels didn't seem to be any different than he was I didn't think at so. ASU. I mean, and, and the comeback, you know, like look, he made the throws, and he had a couple good runs on on the, on the, what should have been the tying drive. I'm not taking it away, 
But again, I would say most of that was Florida State's defense was kind of designed to basically just bleed the clock. Like, you know, we'll let you get 10 yards at a time if the clock ticks. And it almost worked because the guy almost, you know, they almost ran out of time on the play before uh, with one second. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought Daniels looked like the same player. He, he doesn't stay in the pocket. He, he, uh, he wants to run and he's good at running, but you know, is that sustainable, especially as you get into SEC competition and you play, you know, they, I mean, I was looking at their schedule as I was sitting there, you know, they, they play Alabama, obviously they go to Arkansas, they go to Texas A&M. Uh, they play Florida in a cross-division game. I think that's on the road. They there play are, Tennessee. There are like, a lot a of game. fast linebackers on that schedule. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so, I mean, it already starting 0-1, like, you know, maybe they'll get better. But, I mean, you look at that, and I, I think, you know, I don't see any better than 7-5. and five. When, you, when you don't beat Florida State, I counted that as a win for them, and I think I had them going 7-5. and five. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know, seven to five, eight, four to me is, is high end expectation for them now. Yeah. Completely agreed. Especially uh, with one of their defensive tackles lost for the season. One of their better defensive players got hurt first quarter and he's done for the year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it was, it was a great game. I mean, the, the atmosphere was awesome. Florida State fans really showed up. I was impressed. Like I thought it was going to be heavy, heavy LSU. And it was not. I would say maybe 60-40, 55-45 LSU in terms of fans. Um, mm-hmm. They were they turned out, and, and, you know, like, I think that's a good sign for Norvell that, you know, you feel like, all right, there was there was fan support there. Now, certainly going to New Orleans is not a hard sell. But still, you know, people made the trip. They turned out. They stayed. Um, and they pulled off a win. And so that's, that's a big moment for him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, around the rest of week one, some interesting outcomes. Florida entered the game unranked, held off a Utah comeback with a, you know, huge interception to yeah, to end game. it in the end zone. Uh, yeah. To end Utah's yeah, hopes, great, I should say. Great game, really good. You know, just back and forth in the second half. I went back and watched some of it uh, today while I was working. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just a good second half. Both teams were you know put together good drives like I'm, I'm not sour on Utah at all because of that I'm more I'm more higher on Florida I had Florida going 10 and 2 and yeah. losing to Utah I I would stick by that prediction basically because I, I still think they're going to be pretty good and, and even more validated with what I saw well and they have now jumped way up uh in way the rankings maybe too far but who knows we'll see you know uh I mean, I guess if, if there's only been one game and, and they pulled off an impressive win, so uh, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to argue with it too much. Uh, elsewhere in the Pac-12 conference, the other two games of real note, uh, Oregon, not good against Georgia. <laughs> Just absolutely. I mean, I didn't realize it as we were following the score. Uh, Georgia scored touchdowns on their first seven possessions. Uh, so it was it was complete and total domination by Georgia. Yeah, the the Oregon defense under Dan Lanning is not there yet. Apparently, got, got work to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and uh, like I was sort of surprised by how blunt Kirby Smart was. Maybe maybe winning a national title as you know, like he can he can take the handcuffs off. But I mean, he basically he said after the game, you know, we've got better players than them, and and you know, and this is how the game should have gone. I'm like, yeah, it's hard to argue. Uh, you know, I mean, it was. I think he was in some ways taken up for his former assistant, basically saying like, hey, they don't, they don't have the players to keep up with us right now. And I mean, the the result backs up what he would say. 
Yeah. And then the other noteworthy game, USC, just because of all of the turnover and all of the change. Yep. Yep. Pulls off the W, you know, now I, perhaps all yeah. perhaps yeah. already the at least the public view that they are the standard bearer for the conference is supported. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll be tougher tests and starts this week. I don't, I don't know how good Stanford is, but, you know, going on the road to Stanford is certainly a tougher test than playing at home against Rice. But, yeah. It's I a mean, conference game. Pass the first test with flying colors, and we'll see what happens from here. Yeah. Um, speaking of seeing what happens from here, let us touch base on ASU Oklahoma State, a TV game yeah. on the ESPN yeah. family of networks. Right. Yeah. Watchable around the country on your standard cable packages. Very nice. I know. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's uh, hopefully something we can get used to as the season goes along, but we'll see. Uh, But yeah, it's our only non-conference game that's that way at least. So Oklahoma State, first game of the year, 58-44 win. Their offense obviously clicking already, 531 yards of total offense for them in their opener. However, they allowed 546 yards to Central Michigan, which is Central Michigan. And Oklahoma State was number 12, now number 11. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, last year's Oklahoma State team was a very uncharacteristic team for how they've been really under Mike Gundy. They they were heavy on the run. Jalen Warren had a great year. Uh, they, they, you know, and they played really good defense, and it, and it was kind of a, you know, kind of a different approach. And it, you know, one game, it, it appears that they're a little bit more characteristic Oklahoma State this year. Uh, yeah, we'll see as the season goes along. But yeah, that, that first game, they didn't look like last year's team. They looked more like a, a typical Oklahoma State Mike Gundy team. Uh, ASU, on the flip side, the offense at least running the ball, seem to be clicking 267 yards rushing. If we are going to be the kind of team you and I talked about that's going to huddle and take the air out of the ball, the performance Valade gave, 15 carries, 116 yards, and two touchdowns, if if you can pencil him in for 15 carries and, between, and, and at least 90 yards, we're going to win every game. Not really, oh, but sure. we're going to win a lot for of games. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have success if he if he continues to be that successful. Now, you know, there were there was there he had in the running game that I don't expect to see quite as much. But yeah, I was. I mean, I liked what I saw from the running game, and you know, now we get a, a much better, bigger, and better test uh, to see. You know, is this something that's sustainable, or is it? something we can do against, you know, overmatched competition, and that's it. Uh, ASU's kicker, Carter Brown, first college game, already Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, nice. Um, But it wasn't all rainbows and pots of gold and other Lucky Charms marshmallows. (laughs) Uh, ASU lineman Joey Ramos, the transfer Deer Valley product, is out for the season. Um. Post- oh, is he? Gosh, I hadn't heard that. Out for the season. Herm Edwards' postgame comments said that he didn't think the injury was serious. He he came out to the media today, apologized yeah. for that comment, said that he did not have enough information. He was going off of locker room talk. Uh, yeah. And it turns out that he has a, 
at least a bad high ankle sprain, if not something more significant. Uh, okay, that's too bad, yeah. So Des Holmes should be fine and playing this week. Uh, there was also talk to Marcus Davis should be back this week to play opposite yeah. row Torrance. Um, That'd be good. Yeah. So yeah. the injury gods giveth and the injury gods taketh away here. Yeah, I mean, God, you know, like no team gets through the year unscathed. Um, but, you know, I, I maintain what I said when we talked on, on Friday night there. You know, like this team doesn't – it just didn't feel like they have a ton of depth. I mean, given all the losses that we've had from last year and all the – you know, and the recruiting – we, we know, I mean, unless guys overachieve, you know, they're recruiting the last year or two hasn't been great. So, you know, it feels like this team needs to be pretty healthy in order to, to compete. And obviously, yeah, losing a, losing a starting offensive lineman week one for the year is not a great omen for that, but we'll see. Yeah. Overall, though, um, I wouldn't say that I am bullish on ASU. Um, no. I, I picked them to finish three and nine. They acquitted themselves better than I thought they would. I would agree. But I don't I don't think that that really makes much in terms of altering my projected outcome for this week. Um, yeah, agreed, agreed. You know, I think that the best defense is going to be a good offense type of situation here. Yeah. Probably so. So I, I am picking a lower scoring game than Oklahoma State Central Michigan. But, yeah. But I've got Oklahoma State 38 to 21. Yeah, that's, that's I feel probably pretty similar to that. I, you know, I, I mean, we, we talked about it, I think, a little, you know, as we were walking around the Texas campus. Um, and, you know, like for me, I, I think. I think this will be a loss. I think week four and five will be losses, but it's, it's in some ways, truly, how do you lose? Um, and I know that sounds like, you know, uh, I hate saying that, but given this team and who we're playing in those games, like I don't see us winning those games, but can you compete or, or are you just totally outmatched? And that, you know, I don't expect us to be totally outmatched based on what I saw. We won. I, I saw enough pulse that I, I feel like we can, we could take it into the second half and, and, you know, have you thinking, you know, boy, if we could only just put together a drive or two, get a stop or two, we could do this. We won't do that. I don't believe we won't be successful at that. But, uh, yeah, I'd go, um, I'd go 35 to 24. I'll go a little bit closer, but not close enough to really, you know, have a chance to win in the last five minutes. Yeah. I. It's interesting, right? Like, we could be in that situation, but I, if it gets beyond a 10-point deficit, I worry that it becomes playing a mid-2000s Oregon type game where all of a sudden we have to throw, and we're not right. really built to do that. Right, right. And, and yeah, then yeah. we go three and out, and they score again, and, and then we really play. have to throw. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and that that is a question we did not get answered. Obviously, against NAU, you know, you took the lead right away, and and you know we're up by twenty one at the half. And so, yeah, I mean, what does this team do when they're down by ten? Uh, what does this team do if it's a if it's a second half game and and you know it's it's 
third and eight and you're down by a score or two scores, can you convert that? Can you move the ball? You know, we don't have those answers yet. You know, how is Emory Jones? What are the receivers? Who can we rely on there? And that's the thing that, you know, is a total unknown still after one game. And, and you know, if I was more confident about that, I might say, you know, uh, maybe everything goes right. We could pull the upset, but I, I don't think so. I mean, if everything goes right and we play the perfect game, sure. Oklahoma State is not, you know, uh, 2019 LSU. But still, I just I don't see us being able to play the perfect game in a situation like this. I It, it is, you know... You need to be opportunistic, and if Sanders puts a ball on the ground uh, or you know throws a, a interceptable pass, you yeah. you have to capitalize because Which we he will do at times. I mean, he did it last year, so you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the moments that that can pull the upset for you if you make those plays. And we just need to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it does sort of remind you, nah, I don't think they're as good, but it sort of reminds you of some of those Oregon games where it felt like, you know, you just, you got to take advantage. If you get them in, you know, third and 12, you got to get that stop. You know, if, if he throws you one that you can pick off, you better pick it off, you know, because you're not the better team. So if you're going to win as the inferior team, you got to be able to make the plays when they're there to be made. Yeah, for sure. But again, I mean, I, I think I still, you know, feel exactly as I did when we talked last week. I, you know, two and three to me seems like an obvious record that we'll have, you know, on October 1st. Um, but it's just to me, I'm going to say it over and over again these next few weeks. It's all about how you get to two and three um, mm-hmm. and how you come out of that. Do you feel like this team still has life, still has hope? Or have they already been defeated by the time you know we get to some more winnable games in October? Yeah, it is really quite something um, as an ASU fan to have seen the highs of the Graham era, which then came back and plateaued at bowl eligibility. Yeah, yeah. and then to be told, rightly so. That bowl eligibility alone is not good enough. Yeah. To then not really improve and no. and be staring down the barrel of a, a difficult season and uncertain future, you know, it's hard not to look backwards. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about this some Friday night. Like, you know, I feel like the, how you assess this season – there's like two completely different ways to look at it. Do you just look at this season and the expectations going in? And and if so, is six and six a success? Probably yes. You know, given that you and many others have picked, you know, way under 500, even I picked under 500 and I felt like I was being optimistic to get to five wins. Um, Six and six would sure be a success, but big picture, macro, as you just said, being told in December of 2017 that, you know, Seven and five is not good enough. And now here we are in year five of the Herm Edwards era when, you know, things were supposed to be completely in place for him. And now we're saying that six and six would be a success. Like what? You know, that that's why it's hard for me to pin down how I would feel about six and six. I, not good overall, but small picture, probably pretty good. And, and that's almost more upsetting than anything. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Matt, I want to shift to the pro game for a little yeah. bit. You're, you know, we've made our picks. Is there anything you're looking forward to seeing this opening weekend? Any, you know, as an ASU fan, I'm sure there's, I have curiosity, I'm sure you do too, about will Rashad White play yeah. much? He's listed as yeah. the number two back now, the, the backup to Fournette. Yeah, yeah, definitely curious. Yeah, I mean, they're the Sunday night game, so I'll probably, you know, watch a fair amount of that. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm very interested to see the Dolphins. You know, they're a team I, I was high on in our picks, uh, still am. Um, you know, how does Tua look? What does this offense look like? You know, and I'm playing the Patriots, who, you know, had a rough preseason. Kind of felt like people are down on what the Patriots are doing, especially offensively. And it's in Miami, and they've kind of had the Patriots number last couple years, even even while struggling overall. They've they've had the Patriots number individual, you know, one uh, in their matchups. So that's an interesting game. That's yeah. I mean, if, I guess if there's one game, you know, outside the got like okay, yeah, I'm interested to see Bills Rams their opener and all that. But that's one that I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and then you are going to be. Speaking of the Bills, you've got upcoming travel to New York, to New York, New Jersey, and seeing both the Bills and the Giants. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man, a couple of weeks here. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, interested to see them, and you know, interested to watch. I'll probably watch a little of the Giants. Uh, I think they're a late game week one at Tennessee. So you know, see what they look like. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, week one is always. Uh, it's always fun. It's also just like college, but even more so in the NFL, it's, it's prone to overreaction. You know, you see something, it's like, well, that team might surprise us. And, you know, I, I think, what was it, a couple years ago, I can't remember who it was. There was a team, it might have been last year, I think, you know, Houston was expected to be bad. And Houston won week one. I was like, oh, you know, they might be pretty good. No, they were, they were still pretty bad. They just happened to win week one. Mm-hmm. So, you know. That's always the, the fascinating part, too, is, you know, what result will we be like? Oh, boy, that team, they're not very good. Or, oh, that team might be really good. And, it, and you know, later on in the year, we'll totally be like, wow, where that? how did that ever happen? I mean, the Packers last year. Getting Packers blown out by the Saints. Egg in week one, and then, you know, they go on to go, what, 13-4 or something like that. Yeah, yeah 38-3, did not score an offensive touchdown, and it's like, oh, yeah. uh, the bottom – came out it, it just right right you know, it's like it's big trouble blah 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 and yeah it didn't mean anything it, you know i mean yeah losing by five touchdowns any week probably would have gotten noticed but i think it gets noticed more when it's week one and it's like oh my god you know what happened you know like it's one game and especially with how some teams approach the preseason now a lot of teams where they don't play their starters at all or if they play them they play them you know one series and one game and it's like I mean, September kind of feels like, you know, a feeling out process now in the NFL. I'm not I'm not the first to make that point. Steve Young was saying it years ago. I remember listening to him on PTI, and he said, you know, you shouldn't start really reading into what teams are doing until week four or five because, you know, the, the first three weeks are like what the preseason used to be. And he's probably right. So, you know, it'll be interesting, but, hey, it's just it's it'll be fun to have a full weekend. You know, week one of the college season whets my appetite and, now it's now it's fully on. We're we're ready. High school's underway. College is underway. The NFL's about to get underway. It's officially football season now. Yeah, that's it's a great time. Um, lastly, we didn't I didn't preview this as something we would talk about, but did you watch any of Clash at the Castle, Castles and Coasters? 
crown jewel as austin theory <laughs> accidentally called it last night um I didn't watch any. I did. I read the recaps. I haven't watched any. Did you end up watching it? I did. I went back and watched it. I so I had never really seen. I I don't watch NXT. I'm not. I I yeah. follow I through podcasts, but I did not know much about Walter now Gunther slash Gunther. Yeah. Until yeah. he got there. I did think it was funny a couple times when the crowd, to use another term, went into business for itself. Uh, <laughs> the serenading of Bailey and the yes, uh, the chanting of Walter at Gunther. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, I thought that match was good, and the way they did it at the very beginning was just fascinating to watch. Because they yeah. had their two groups there, and they stood at staring at each other, Sheamus and Gunther. Right. And then their sidekicks just started wailing on each other, and they just kept standing there staring at each other. <laughs> and and it was great because you know he's got that whole ring general. He respects right. what he respects wrestling more than anyone else, and you know I don't totally love the character and and gimmick and the group i I think it has some problematic tones for me but the that yeah that aspect of it the the respect for the ring they didn't move until the bell rang and then the bell rang and they went at it but yeah i heard it was i mean i know the guy the guy i read the reviews from he he rated it you know a five star out of five match i heard the crowd was amazing for it you know like they really got behind sheamus and he got a standing o afterward and Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to go back and watch it. I don't know if and when I will, um, just because, as we said, we're now in the heart of football season, and I feel like my my mind gets consumed with football. But mm-hmm. uh, heard it was a great one, and I, you know, I know Reigns McIntyre did not have the ending that I think I know I was hoping for, and I, I think you were too that McIntyre mm-hmm. would get the would get the win. But I heard it was a great match along the way. It was a really good match. I one of the funnier little subplots of this to me is Austin Theory's second pay-per-view failure to Uh cash in Uh this time Uh getting decked by Tyson Fury as he tried to cash it in yeah Um, I wonder if that's going to become a a, a long-term you know like oh he he teases it he doesn't do it and you know I mean you got up to a year and, mm -hmm. and lately it feels like they've been doing the cash ins quick so it's one that they could play it out quite a while yeah I kind of like the idea of you have, you know, you have a year to cash it in. So it's like there's only 5 days left. So he just yes. like you just know when you're the champ that he has to cash it in, so you just avoid him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be curious to see what they do. Um first of all, happy for him that he got his first name back. Yeah. Uh, that, good, good for him and Matt Riddle and last night uh Tommaso Ciampa got his first name back. So they could they could put together like a nice little stable if they wanted to of guys who just rediscovered their first names, um, but it's that's always a good thing. Um, and Owens Owens cut a promo on Theory last night that he mentioned that. So you know I I'm I'm enjoying the direction of WWE right now because it just feels like they're it feels like the performers are so freed up. Yeah, like they're having fun. Well, and, and there was and a you know and it helps. Well, there was a moment during the broadcast where it was in the women's uh, six-woman tag match where he was talking about um, Io Shirai, Io Sky's history. 
he didn't get her name wrong like I did there, but he he talked about, you know, in Japan that she and Asuka were in a group together. Yeah, I heard they mentioned that, which and is it's like, stunning. It's like, yeah. oh, there's other wrestling besides WWE. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, I know you got to be careful with that. I get that their product and you don't want to necessarily, you know, act like, hey, there's this other good product. I get it. But at the same time, like, acting like these characters never existed before, it's almost insulting to people's intelligence. Because most people, most of the diehard wrestling fans, you know, they know there's other wrestling. They know it. And so, you know, like telling, oh, well, you know, this is the first time these two have ever faced off. Like, no, it isn't. Might be the first time on Raw or something. But so, yeah, I mean, it just feels like they are so freed up. Um, announcers, you know, Owens is, is, you know, Owens promo last night where he, you know, made fun of Theory for getting the show name wrong and made fun of him for getting his first name back. And like, th- these promos would never have been allowed under Vince. No way. They didn't. They didn't acknowledge any humanity. It was like you had to follow the script, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's. I mean, I. You know, again, one person's opinion, but the guy I read the review of, and I read his reviews all the time. Uh, you know, he said it was the best. You know, best pay per view or premium live event, as they call them now, of the year. And and you know, I've heard. You know, I haven't heard much negative about it. Um, and you know, seems like it came off as a really successful show and. You know, feels like they've they've got a market there to go back sooner than thirty years. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, go to go to London, go to Scotland, something like that. Because obviously the fans are really into it. It seemed like. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, the one thing that we, the people who I listen to mentioned, and, and we should talk about, no title changes, not one. The the closest well, yeah, we came was Bianca Belair yeah, took the true. pin in the. Uh, six woman tag is Belair took the pin, which also is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because you know she was in there with two other people who you thought were basically there to take the pin. Yeah, and in the old days, that's exactly what would have happened. The not so old days, I should say. You know, like that's yeah. it was always predictable. It was like, oh well, you know, they're gonna put this, they're gonna make it a triple threat, so this guy could take the pin, and 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 yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just. It feels like now with, with, you know, Triple H running the show that, like, there's logic that applies. And that's the way to build a title challenger. Oh, they beat this person in the match? Okay. Rather than just like, oh, I ask for a title match, I get one. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I you know, look, we realize it's scripted. You and I are, you know, well aware that this is scripted entertainment. But at the same time, make it make sense. Like, you know, if somebody's going to get a title shot, make them earn it, get them some wins. And it's like, okay, yeah, they deserve a title shot. I get it. But rather than just being like, well, they did this, so, you know, Bailey came back, she gets a title shot. No, build to it. Make us, make us uh, see that they've earned their way to it. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I think before the change and it, and it was almost like they were, you know, they were on the same page. Obviously we're not the only ones like the emphasis on the intercontinental and us titles now. Like, you know, the Intercontinental title is this huge match on the pay-per-view. The U.S. title was the main event of Raw last night. It's like they're they're actually making these titles feel like they matter rather than just jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it it's not hard, as we've just seen, to make it meaningful. You know? No. You no. put... When you're scripting it especially. Like, yeah. make it meaningful. It's not, yeah, you, you can do it very easily. 
you know, and they they talked about it at SummerSlam, or uh, sorry, they talked about SummerSlam '92 at Clash at the Castle. Yeah, uh, that yeah, you know, yeah, Bret Hart was there. Hart was there. Davy Boy Smith's family was there. But that yeah. that pay per view was headlined by the IC title match. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and and you know, like, I think they should split up the world titles again. And, and I don't understand why they did what they did. You know, when Reigns is on a limited time now contract and you give him both belts, I don't quite get that. But still, like, okay, if you're gonna do that, then make those other titles matter. And and consistently since Triple H has taken over. Like Raw and SmackDown have had a moment or big moment, many main events so far with the Intercontinental title. I mean, Gunther and Nakamura was the main event of SmackDown a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, Lashley's been in the main event for the U.S. title multiple times. You know, so it's like, all right, make me feel like those titles matter and the, and the champions matter and and guys want to win them. And it, like, yeah, that's the way to easily build stories. Yeah, I mean it's. It's impressive. I there was one other small thing that reminded me of like sometimes wrestling is at its best when it's at its most simple. I saw the clip on Raw. They had the you know before Braun Strowman came back. They it was in the middle of the four way tag team match, and they started with both members of the New Day, and the you know. The broadcast was great because I think it was Corey Graves was talking about like, well, you know, I've I've wanted to see this forever. I want to see these guys hit each other, and they circled, and then they just immediately dove one. You know, uh, Kofi jumped right on top for the pin, and it was like that's a that's amazing. That's hysterically yes, funny, yes, but yes, it's also agreed. smart. Like if if wrestling is yeah. actually like thought out, that's of course what you do. Right. Give us some logic. I mean, again, like as long as pro wrestling has existed, you have to suspend some disbelief. I get it. You know, a ladder match, uh, you have to realize that, you know, if it's two guys in a ladder match and one guy's laid out, why wouldn't the other guy just go up the ladder right away? Okay, that's not going to happen. I get it. But, you know, give us some logic. Give us some things that make sense. Otherwise, it's like, well, you're just kind of like playing us for fools with some of the dumb stuff that you do. And, and I think, you know, having Triple H in charge, who, you know, yeah, he's got a massive ego, and yeah, he put himself over probably more than he should have, and, uh, you know, things like that. But he knows the business now, and he ran NXT and was very successful doing that. And he knows what the, he knows what it's like to be, a, you know, a wrestler. And, and you know, it just felt like Vince lost touch, and I think, I think you know, things just feel so much more positive with the product right now. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how long it lasts. I mean, they're in the honeymoon phase. Um, they got to be loving all these, you know, returns and speculation about other people's returns. And that can't last forever. But right now, it's it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's it, you, I mean, I find myself watching Raw closer because it's like, well, maybe somebody big's coming back. You know, like I got to I got to watch the end live because maybe something huge is going to happen at the end. And I don't want somebody to tell me about it. I want to see it for myself. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, overall, a very strong weekend of sports and sports entertainment. For sure, for sure, yes, yes. It was, uh, it was fun. Uh, great, great opening weekend of college football. Uh, you know, some really good games, some some strong performances by teams you'd expect strong performances from. And you know, here we go. Uh, it's it, it starts to move real fast. That's the especially college like. 
you know, one week down, there's only, you know, 11 more to go for all these teams. And then we're going to decide our playoff. And it's like, well, all right, we just keep, keep going and buckle in. It should be, should be fun as always. Yep. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about the Oklahoma state game. We'll preview directional Michigan until next time. He's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben Matt Sportscast.